You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Breaking news on Coinbase's direct listing, the Archegos unwind, and the overall state of U.S. equities. Welcome back, Tommy Thornton. Hey, Ash. How are you? I'm well. A pleasure, as always, to have you here. So let's dive right in. Uh, we were okay. talking a little bit before uh, we got on air about what's happening with Coinbase. Latest numbers. Okay, so I'm I'm actually very bullish on Coinbase, the listing uh, there's some pros, there's some cons, but uh, this is going to be a monster, and I think people are going to, it's going to be very, very well received. So they just came out with their revenues. Uh, there was, I, I'm just going off of this, and I'm, I'm, if I'm off a little, it's, um, please pardon me, but $730 million of net income. Now that compares to, let's say, that's one quarter, compares to $2.4 billion for CME, and CME, their market cap is 76 billion and i think coinbase is going to be 90 to 100 and certainly in this wild market it could be higher now one other thing with with coinbase that i think is very very impressive is the user um, additions very very strong now they they have 56 million users now and they gain 13 million over this last quarter and obviously what a quarter it was for for Bitcoin and all the other uh, cryptos. So uh, this thing is a monster. And I really like this. And I actually, I, I think this is going to be something that I'm going to dig into and be a buyer of and maybe trade actively long and short. But I think it's going to be a real success. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about your thoughts and how you're thinking about positioning yourself going in. Well, you know, I'm always a little nervous when there's a direct listing and a direct listing is uh, there's some things that are a little dicey one thing that is a little bit of a concern there's no lockup so everybody can sell whenever they want so I, i'm going to inch my way into this uh, i'm not going to be you know hopefully not the, the top tick of the day but i'm going to inch my way in and see how it trades and then just build up a position uh, over perhaps uh, weeks to a quarter and see you know what happens but i think the growth rate is very very impressive now one other other thing that we know that the commission rates and the fees for crypto that will come down eventually but i think just the user growth and the amount of new uh, coinbase users uh, is is going to continue to to be you know the driving force there now michael saylor elon musk they use coinbase uh, to buy their crypto, which you know a lot of people could say they could buy it on you know other ways, but they they went through Coinbase, so I think that's a validation for Coinbase. Yeah, uh, and as you point out, uh, it's very high margin business. You expect those to decline, but ultimately you suspect that user growth is going to make up for some of that uh, on the margin side. Yeah, absolutely. Now I kind of look at Coinbase. Um, a couple different periods in in history. 
in the when the internet mania started, you had all these fly-by-night internet companies that were going public, and a lot of them fell off. But the ones that the companies that I really liked way back in the '90s were mm-hmm. the Intel's, the Cisco's, the Microsoft's, the 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 infrastructure companies that made it possible for those internet companies to exist. Yeah, uh, even. You know, companies like Sun Micro had just such an enormous run, and chip companies did great. And so, that's where I was back in the '90s. I wasn't a big internet trader, but just because some of the volatility was just absurd, and the valuations were were nuts. Uh, another period that you can look I back mean, sounds like a time much like our own. Yeah, it, it, well, look at it this way also. The people that made money in the gold rush in California were the guys that that were selling the picks and shovels. So that's what I see Coinbase as. And there's going to be tons more IPOs and ETFs that are going to come out of this. So it's a big, big test. It's validation for crypto. And I think it's, uh, it's going to be something, uh, I, I think, the biggest uh, deal of the year. Uh, meaning the uh, Coinbase uh, direct listing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think it's just it's going to be validation for crypto. I think it's uh, going to be something that we're going to look back and remember when Netscape Navigator came out and it changed how everything was going forward with the Internet. I think it's going to be everything's going to change from this. Yeah. So how else are you thinking about playing that? You know, obviously, if you think of this as kind of something of an entry point or a, a moment where we're going to see an inflection point after this, how are you thinking about the space more broadly, Tom? Well, I, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm not a crypto uh, person. I'm not a, you know, a hater of crypto or anything like that. I've recommended people at certain times with my charts uh, when to buy and when to sell. Uh, I'm amazed at the action that we've seen, uh, I think there's still a lot of risk in in this. Uh, you know, in the crypto space, there's going to be a lot of coins that just go poof and they're gone. Uh, but you know, look, you have Bitcoin; it's just had an enormous run, and I think you you need to buy Bitcoin and Ethereum. Those are the two, obviously, um, that we want to look at, or I'm looking at. For, for more stable ones, at least, uh, you want to buy them when they're down, you know, twenty or thirty percent, and and that's common with this. I mean, that's what we've seen. And when you get those types of pullbacks, um, you can leg in. Yeah. Uh, talking about your charts, uh, before I forget, shameless plug. Tell us about the stonk special. Okay, uh, for hedge fund telemetry, uh, my company. It's a research site. We focus on market sentiment and a lot of DeMarc indicators and some commentary from me every day. We do a daily note. We have a special. It's uh, normally $750 per year. Uh, if you use the code STONKS, you get $250 off the full first year price. So uh, <laughs> we're working hard uh, with a new site refresh and it's going to be exciting. So we're growing. It's exciting. And um, yeah, so that's my shameless plug. <laughs> uh, so changing gears here, 
uh, to get back to the the big picture that we were talking about. Uh, you've been on for a couple of weeks uh, with me. Tell me about your view right now of the overall state of what's happening in U.S. equities. Okay, well, you know, last time I was on um, March 25th, um, there was something else going on we were talking about, but we'll yeah. get to that in a sec. Uh, what I was saying is that the large mega cap stocks, uh, the Amazons, the big ones, even Apple, uh, really weren't doing anything. And, and those peaked back in September and the growth versus value peak. And then all of a sudden in April or the end of March, they just took off. And it was weird because it might have been an unwind. Uh, of some shorts and index shorts that, that started it. But these things just took off. Uh, Amazon, Apple moved up a little. Uh, Google had some actual positive news. So that was responsible there. Microsoft uh, took a big leg up. And I, I, I think that that's sometimes oh, that happens ahead of earnings. You get these to run up and then earnings come out and they, they sort of are good numbers and they go down. Um, they get priced in. Uh, overall, though, in the equity markets, uh, the S&P has been notably stronger than the NASDAQ 100. Uh, right. The S&P, it's something very important today. It did get uh, a DeMarc combo countdown 13. Now, that's an exhaustion signal. And at Hedge Fund Telemetry, we focus a lot on these. Uh, I try to keep it very simple with those. And um, you know, we explain how they work a lot every day on our notes. So that's something that we we do. But it's a very significant signal because not only did it happen on a daily time frame, it also happened on a weekly time frame. So when those are in sync, uh, it's something special to watch. Another thing with market sentiment, and I use a bunch of different market sentiment polls. Uh, one of them is the daily sentiment index from Jake Bernstein. That hit 90% yesterday for the S&P. Now, historically, over the, let's say the last few years, it peaks out around 90% to 92%. Uh, back in March a year ago, it hit 4%. And we got very, very bullish there. Now, sentiment can stay low and it can stay high for a period of time, and it's a condition. So when we have it, we need a trigger and we have a trigger now with the DeMarc indicator. So what we want to see in the next 10 days is some sort of price reversal. Now it could be a stall because the market just exhausts and it doesn't go anywhere. Or we could see a bit of a pullback or something more. Uh, a pullback that would be a nice healthy buy would be, let's say, 5%. And 5% down heading into earnings would actually be a nice setup for earnings to, which I think a lot of people are expecting very good earnings, to good earnings get rewarded with stock prices that go up. So I think that that would be the best case scenario over the next week to two weeks, um, a little bit of a, a pullback, and then we'll see what happens after that. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com. Yeah. 
You know, you alluded to uh, Archegos, Archegos, uh, the family office that no one can seem to pronounce. Uh, <laughs> what uh, exactly is your view of what's happening there? And and also, moreover, what that's done for market mechanics uh, and why it's so significant. Okay, well, when we were on last time, I had heard their name and it hadn't truly come out. I think it came out like the next day on the 26th that they were the ones that that were blowing up. I, you know, I thought it could have been SoftBank, could have been a lot of different players. And the extent that Bill Wang, um, I mean, he basically went out and levered himself up using uh, swap arrangements with all the different prime brokers out there. And I, I said to a lot of people that it's it's kind of like you're sec getting a second mortgage on your house with 10 different lenders. And then you're putting that into speculative, you know, ideas. And I, I, I've done a little bit of work on essentially what unwound this. And it, it all started because the Chinese ADRs were starting to get hit uh, with the SEC clamping down on them. So those started to so get hit. Just for people who don't know, these are the depository receipts. Give a bit of a framework for why this is so uh, important to understanding this issue. Well, so look, the like Baidu uh, was one of the big names. Yeah. Uh, there's another one of uh, Vips, which is uh, that that I think is anyway that there were there was a, a handful of these these ADRs that were getting hit. Then uh, Viacom had this just bizarre rally up and discovery did too right they did morgan stanley did a secondary uh one day i think it was in the beginning of that week for viacom uh three and a half billion uh shares or uh, three and a half billion dollars uh they raised and they they priced it at 85 dollars. and i have a feeling i can't confirm this but i have a feeling that morgan stanley since bill wang was buying Viacom all the way up, they thought, oh, Bill's going to be an anchor buyer. He'll buy another, you know, boatload of shares and stabilize the price at $85. But what happened is Bill probably didn't have the liquidity, which I would say is 100% true. And they then, the stock broke price and all the prime brokers uh, had to start selling. And Morgan Stanley, Goldman, they were quick to see this and they sold very fast right and priced some blocks uh, credit swiss uh, was just wanged by him um, today they just did another 34 million share block the amount of shares is out, is absurd because some of these blocks were larger than the largest holder and i'm talking about like a vanguard a, a index fund so it's just absurd that this man was able to get away with it. Um, and, you know, leverage is, you know, it's great when it's working, but when it doesn't work, it's a quick exit and game over. And I I, I don't use a lot of leverage. I, I tend to use leverage when I get markets that are with a 4% market sentiment where I can say, okay, I'm going to lever up here because my indicators are telling me that it's a low risk buy. But this guy was buying all the way up and it was just reckless. And I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with this guy. I mean, he's, he should have been out of the business after the insider trading thing. Uh, 
but he's you know probably going to face a lot of legal problems um but i i will say this i have bought viacom i did buy discovery i bought some more today uh, i think these are actually ideas you can buy once some of the indigestion gets done with all these blocks above 47.50 i think this could start to lift a little bit more. I've liked Viacom and CBS as a combination for quite a while, uh, as a long, and uh, I, I think I think those are those are worth buying right here. Tom, it's so fascinating to hear you talk about this. To hear someone uh, who's been in this space for as many years as you have just give a view of what happened, because I think a lot of people found uh, it just completely puzzling, top to bottom, how it happened, the mechanics of it. Uh, the how, why, and wherefores, uh, who the winners were, who the losers were. I mean, it's really a pretty amazing story. It it, it is, and 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 unfortunately, um, it's over. I mean, this guy's done. And the other thing is, there's a lot of people that are saying, you know, the cockroach theory that you're going to see more of these happen, and there's a lot of leverage out there in the world. Now, the the Credit Suisse just fired. You know, a few people. Head, head of manager. risk being one of them, I believe. Yeah, well, I, I, I would have just, you know, no chance of fighting for your job. You're gone <laughs> after that. But the the thing is, what will happen? And I, and this happened in 07, 08, um, when things started to get dicey with uh, the subprime. Uh, debacle and, and those start the subprime lenders started to blow up risk managers within those sell side firms the prime brokers the goldman's the morgan stanley's jp morgan's uh, all of them credit swiss uh they all started to examine closely where they might be exposed and right. i believe they're doing that now and yeah. they're going to look at accounts and say you know we're going to just slice down some of the amount of capital that we're giving you. And right. I think that would be that that would be a smart thing to do because if you do it now and you start to be proactive about it, it's not going to be some sort of giant unwind that could happen. Um, and usually it's it's also really hard to get people to take down leverage. Hey, take down leverage. No, I don't think so. I'm good. I, I've got this, you know, I don't want to, you know, sell down my positions and, and ruin my PL. But I think the risk managers have to do that at all the sell side firms. Um, and, you know, there could be others out there that are the Bill Wangs out there, but I, I don't know. I haven't heard anything yet, but there's a lot of leverage out there, especially in credit. And that could be where it all starts. And usually now that's an interesting point. That's really yeah. interesting. T tell me a little bit more about why that could be the case in your view. Well, we've already, well, First of all, we've seen a huge backup in yields, and I also thought that you know the beginning of this, you know, when I started to see these unwinds, I thought it could be some of the sell side banks that got caught out on the wrong side of on rates moving higher, and you know, with rates moving higher, uh, you know, those are really giant moves, and what like. To put it into perspective, and I'm just going to go off the top of my head, if you have a 25 basis point move higher in rates on the 10-year yield, it's about a, oh God, I'm going to just say, a, it's about like a 
move in the total return. And that, that obviously is more than the yield you're getting. Uh, so that's a big right. move. And if you have, let's say, on the 30-year, you have a 25 basis point move, it's about 4% of your total return. If you have a 100 basis point move on the 30-year, that's about 21%, maybe a 19 to 21%. I, I'm just going off the top of my head. But those are some serious declines and people are and have been long bonds and and you know the the, the problem with you know, the, the fallacy of bonds bond buying in the last several years is that people aren't buying bonds for the yield they're buying for capital appreciation right and just want you know yields to go lower and lower and lower and you know that that's i remember a head of uh, asset allocation at uh a large company that starts with black mentioned that to me that he said, he said, the people are buying my, my people, the funds that I, I'm in with in Europe and Asia, they're buying bonds, even though they're negative yielding because they just can, they just think they're going to go lower and lower and lower. And they're going to have this endless capital appreciation, which, you know, maybe they will on some of these, but if there's a backup in bonds, that is a huge, huge risk, and I just don't think there's. It should be a very Ill, a liquid or very liquid market, but um, I don't think it's going to be. Now, my current view on the ten-year and the thirty-year and and some of the other, you know, across the curve, I think that we're going to just pause right now for some of the, you know, the yields moving higher. I think we're going to pause. I think there could be a bit of a risk off with equities. And that could see a little bit of a bond bid right now. And and also after April 1st, Japan and a few other countries were able to go back in and buy U.S. Um, US bonds again. And, and the yields in the U.S. are obviously a lot higher than a lot of other places in the world or, or basically everywhere. Yeah, really interesting insight. That sounds like the one that ends with rock and not the one that ends with stone. I'm not going to tell you, but <laughs> you may or may not be right. I, I'm not going to tell you. Um, I'm just looking here at my Twitter feed as we're talking, and uh, Nathaniel Whittemore uh, from uh, from CoinDesk across on this tweet: uh, Coinbase has more than four x the number of users of Robinhood, and they did more revenue in Q1 21 than in all of 20. You know, there you go. I mean, it's. It's not going to stop now. Some of the the growth rate after this quarter, uh, I would imagine it would moderate. But uh, okay, so I'm, I have this now. They did 1.8 billion in Q1 in revenue. I was saying that uh, they were expecting 7.30, but they did 1.8 billion in revenue. Wow. And and CME does 2.4 billion in revenue for the full year. And that's at seven seventy-six billion market cap for CME. So, I mean, this thing could be crazy, crazy. Yeah, and you also have to wonder how that's going to get priced in terms of multiple based on the growth that they're seeing. Yeah, and high margin business. Um, it, it's 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 where I want to be in crypto world. So, and and you're the crypto king. Um, you and Raul. No, you're the prince 
Raul's the king. <laughs> I'm, I'm a minor noble at best. Oh, I'm God. like a baronet, maybe, on a good day. No, you're the prince. Yeah, everybody loves you. Everyone. <laughs> uh, so, Tommy, as you look forward to these markets, you think these things through. Obviously, it's an interesting setup. You have all of uh, the uh, context that we just discussed uh, with Archicos, the potential uh, for leverage, the potential uh, for some of the points that you made, maybe more risk, maybe not in the system. Uh, you got the reopening trade. Uh, you've got you know the explosion of variants of the virus elsewhere. You've got uh, relatively positive news most places here in the U.S. in terms of the vaccination story. I mean, it's just all over the place. I just like feel like it's one of those setups where you know you could you could flip a coin and say, okay, argue this side. You're right. It's very there's a lot of moving pieces and catalysts that could sort of ignite. So there are little fires out there. And then they give these really positive things that are that are happening, and and the virus rollout in the U.S. has been generally for the U.S. incredibly good. Um, I've had the both both shots. I'm happy to say, uh, my, two out of three of my kids have had their first shots, and I'm very very pleased about that because I'm traveling this week, and I can't wait to get out and. You know, going to Dallas. I'm going to LA. I'm, I've got some good stuff uh, planned and people to see. But yeah, Europe. It's it's a it's a real mess, and India is a mess, and the, this thing could get out of control. South America continues to be a mess. You know, they they don't have the infrastructure to. Well, Europe does, but you know, Europe's you know how many different countries in a union. Um, you know, they just a lot of these countries just don't have the infrastructure. And I think the U.S. did a very, very good job, um, uh, a tremendous job. No, I'm just yeah. not giving any politician any credit for it. I think it's been a, a everybody's come together and done a good job on this. Yeah, but absolutely. That, my, my one political statement on this is. Uh, you know, it's interesting because you listen to both sides argue as the former president was really the one who got it. No, no, no. You have to understand things got into high gear when the new. Listen, America is a great country. We can still do great things. Uh, whoever the president of the United States happens to be at the time. I went down to the Jacob Javits Center. I saw those uh, young guys and gals in uniform, uh, the army, uh, whatever division it was, helping to move people through. And it was orderly. It was it was great. And uh, it just made you feel good about the state of the country to see that we can still do that. Yeah, I I mean, I, I live in Connecticut and our governor, Ned Lamont, has done an outstanding job. I didn't vote for him, but I would vote for him now. I think he's he's a pretty sharp guy. I, I think Honestly, I think the majority of politicians have done an outstanding job. There's a couple out there that we all know that are on the fringe um, that that really sort of dropped the ball and made some bad decisions. But anyway, I don't want to get into that. The, we're, taking the, we're taking the high road here today. Yeah. Look, I'm just happy that we're all going to be reopening. So the reopening is, is actually a couple things I'm going to say about this now. We just had like a monster jobs number that came out last Friday, beat expectations. It's great. Uh, but when I hear an economist or a Fed person or the worst a politician say, oh, we created all these new jobs. No, people are going back to work. They're going back to their old jobs. It's a lot of people going back 
in the leisure and hospitality because restaurants are opening, bars are opening. And, and that's a really positive thing. Uh, healthcare, uh, people are going back in healthcare. Education, uh, schools are reopening and they're going back to their jobs. It's not like we have this giant new technology that's coming out and people are making more money. The, the problem I see, there's a couple. One, I, I'm, I'm worried that uh, people that have been unemployed aren't going to get their jobs in some of the lower income areas. And I think that's that's really a, a tragedy. And I, I, I worry about that. Uh, the other thing is the government is paying people to not work. And as Jamie Dimon said early during the pandemic, people are getting paid more by the government than they were at their job. And he obviously can see it because he looks at everybody's statement. In the, I mean, he can, you know, but uh, the bottom line is, you know, you see these trends and uh, the government just keeps with more stimulus and the opening with more stimulus. And this, it's just, it's going to cause inflation. And we've talked, we talked about this last time. Yeah. And I, I see uh, in the next six months, uh, just a huge spike with all really positive economic data. And, and you, you, like I watch Ed Hyman from ISI, uh, his videos, and they're really good. And he, he like does one of these, like he's going through like this, the, the data and he takes his glass. This is incredible. You know, like he's freaking out because this, the people have never seen data like this. And it's all reopening and it's great, but it's not going to be forever. And then we have this inflation problem. Rates are going higher. We've got to pay for it. Um, with issuance, who's going to buy all the debt that we're going to issue? Yields have to go higher, and that's going to cause a bit of the bubble in equities to deflate. I, you know, may may pop, may just deflate. I think the Fed is okay with yields going higher if it's going to gingerly deflate some of the higher multiple tech stocks, the stuff that's gone just you know crazy on the upside. And the speculation will temper a bit. So, you know, yeah, there's a lot of good. There's a lot of bad. There's, you know, catalysts out there with little fires that could flame up. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Right. You know, file this uh, under another thing that we were talking about earlier with a lot of moving parts. I'm not really even sure what inflation means anymore. You have structural changes in the labor market. You clearly have asset price inflation. We're starting to get some commodity inflation, but we're not really seeing uh, the wage push inflation that you would traditionally see. Uh, so I'd love to talk with someone who's a heck of a lot smarter than I am about that, understanding what those parameters look like, uh, understanding how the structural changes in the labor market and the economy and supply chains modify uh, some of those very complex networks of variables. Well, you, you mentioned supply chains and supply chains, uh, when you see it in the data and uh, the ISM data shows that the, you know, the price is paid, it's just off the charts and all the participants are saying that it's really hard to get certain supplies, commodities. And that is gonna, there's gonna be a bottleneck uh, 
you know, we see it with semiconductors, we see it with lumber, with the copper, other things like that. But that's going to take a while for that to moderate. Uh, yeah, there's no, you're never going to find a, an economist or actually in a, a Fed economist who's ever seen inflation. Uh, they don't admit what they really see. Uh, you know, inflation's moderate. You know, they've, they've been doing QE for how many years? And we really haven't been able to get over 2% as, as their goal, uh, you know, over a sustained period of time. So what's going to do it this time? Oh, let's just, you know, go crazy with monetary and now fiscal stimulus. Right. Yeah, we're going to get over, we're going to get over 2%. We're going to get way over 2%. And then what? How are you going to control that? Now, nobody really has seen inflation that's been in the market. Uh, I've seen it, you know, I'm a little older. I've seen some. And it it's really debilitating. It hurts. And it hurts the lower income people. It hurts housing markets. It it it's hard to borrow. Uh, so that's that's my concern. And, it, you know, the input input costs uh, for all these companies that are producing goods, uh, that goes up. So prices go up and it just is it spirals. So I'm I'm a bit concerned about it. And yes, there's some differences between how you measure it and how economists measure it. And there's no perfect way. I mean, I, I look around and I think I can see inflation. Um food prices, yeah. education, healthcare. I mean, it's off the charts, but you know, again, well, those are, those are the three you, you just hit right there. I mean, yeah. long-term structurally, you look at, uh, you look at education, absolutely off the charts, uh, healthcare, uh, same thing. And now we're starting to see it in food. Yeah. And, um, you know, what, what really happened, what really hurts is again, the lower income of uh, the families that are struggling to make it, and a lot of them that have had really a tough time yeah. uh, with COVID and the pandemic, you know, their, their food costs are going off the charts here. And that's really, really yeah. difficult. And, you know, the other thing is it hurts restaurants too, because, you know, you think about it this way, they've got to raise prices, which is a fine line for their customers. Cause customers are going to say, do I really want to go out to that restaurant? Cause eh, it's kind of expensive. And then they have, these input costs that are for everything that they're serving, it goes up and then they have to balance that. Then they have labor costs that are going up and it just makes it really difficult for these businesses to operate profit, you know, in a profit sense. Uh, so it's, 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 it's everywhere. So um, it's kind of just an example how we can all see, we'll go to a restaurant, see how it's, uh, how it's changing. Yeah, these are such important points. The country is filled with people who don't own S&P 500 index funds, uh, and they're really struggling uh, right now and, and are sensitive uh, to those movements in food prices, especially. And also, they're the broader feed-through effects to the broader economy, aside from the moral and, uh, and ethical questions uh, about that. This is a, a potentially macroeconomic challenge because it's the risk to taking a hit on demand. And those of us uh, who were uh, old enough to remember. I was a kid, but I certainly remember uh, hearing grown-ups complain about inflation. Uh, though I don't, uh, obviously, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't old enough to be there uh, myself. But listen, one other question that I wanted to ask you, Tommy, that I think is so interesting—the thing that we were talking about uh, off camera that I'd really love to get your take on—is uh, this Goldman Sachs, these two baskets, the stay-at-home basket uh, versus the uh, versus the the uh, reopening basket. How do you think about that? 
what does it signal for you about the broader economy and some of the issues we were just talking about, ultimate demand, uh, growth, um, and the economy in the broadest sense? I look constantly and I, I post uh, factor analysis uh, each day on my notes and I just I look look at each one. What's really been difficult in this market for a lot of participants and and like I I look to buy things, short things, different things. There's no pattern right now. We've had this flip flop where the stay at home is up, the work from home, uh, or the yeah stay at home or the reopening they they flip flop. So today stay at home was up a little over one percent and the reopening was up seventy basis points. It was it was a wider spread earlier in the day, and you know the 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 stay at home has a lot of those big mega cap tech names. The Amazons are in there and some of these you know the the big ones in there that. Um, that have done so well this year, and now the the reopening. Those are airlines, hotels, restaurants. Uh, you know they were down a little bit today. Like I mean, let's see. Yeah, TripAdvisor was down. Uh, Amazon was down. Not much, but a little. Some of the the retailers were down today. It just it's been this flip flop, and you've also seen it with the mega cap tech names, the Qs versus Spies and the Russell. It's been this like difficult challenge of up and down, and and we've been for the most part going sideways for the last couple months. So we've just sort of broken out on the S and P. But I always get worried when we have breakouts on certain things when there's a demark sequential or combo sell signal that's happening, uh, because no, normally most people don't see that. It looks just like the best time in the world to be buying. But that's a problem. Now, I, I will say this. Um, I think uh, Tom DeMarc is sort of hinting at this as well um, out there. So you might see a call uh, in the next couple of days that, that he's mentioning these things. The 10-year yield uh, had a, a 13 exhaustion. So we've seen the back, you know, the, the yields uh, fall off a little bit, which is, which is supposed to what, uh, supposedly what should ha happen. But Look at it this way, with the DeMarc sell signals right now, we tend to look at it and say, okay, we give it 10 days for some sort of reaction to happen. If that doesn't happen, then the trend that we've been in can continue. So that's when a signal does not does not work. Right. And I suppose we should tie it all together by saying code word stonks. Stonks. And uh, I want to dedicate this to uh, Dr. Parikh Patel. He's been an in influence in my life, uh, one of the better money managers um, out there on FinTwit. Um, Tommy, thank you for joining us. All right. Thanks. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.